Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor as well as the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And of course, as always, you can give me a call on the listener hotline, the number 303-832-0217. Even if you have nothing to say, you have something to say. So give me a call and (laughs) I can put it here on the show. Uh, On the show today, once again, we're talking traffic. The segment where we hook up with a traffic anchor from somewhere in the USA and talk traffic. And today, we're going tropical to the South Florida coastal town of West Palm Beach, north of Miami, to talk to someone who I think might be the longest-running traffic reporter for the EW Script Stations. Johan Hoffman was born and raised in South Florida and over the years has earned many awards for his reporting, has loads of experience reporting traffic. He currently is Chopper 5 airborne reporter and photographer for WPTV Television in West Palm Beach. Johan, thank you so much for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Hey, nice to be with you, Jason. No problem. Yeah, I know you're a busy guy. You had some breaking news today, so I appreciate you carving out some time. And before we talk about some of the traffic issues there in South Florida, let's get to know who you are and and how you started talking traffic. So uh, I believe you started reporting for WPTV in about 2005. Is that right? Yes. um, We did some... um Earlier in the 90s, I flew for a company called Metro Networks. They did traffic around the U.S. for uh, uh, for Channel 5, WPTV here, for two years. And uh, But, yeah, 2005, it's been about uh, 17 years up in the Chopper 5 or helicopter here in the uh, Palm Beach County. We cover from Broward, which is Fort Lauderdale, all the way out to – we cover like uh, four – uh, different counties, and uh, we got a big, big area that we uh, cover. But yeah, it's it's been a while. I, I know the streets, as you know, I know the streets <laughs> left and right. That's for sure. Yeah, and I'm asking because I started at Denver Seven May first of 2006, so I am just on the cusp of my 16th year anniversary. So you're ahead of me by what at least 12 months or so. Uh, just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When when you get that many years, it's it's just a little bit. It all gets to be a blur. Exactly. <laughs> but you but you like you said, you're originally from South Florida, so you know all the streets. You know the area pretty well. Yeah, born and raised here. Um, you know, South Florida has been my home. Uh, I like going up to the Carolinas a lot and even out to your beautiful uh, state of, of Colorado. Beautiful state. And another thing I think we have in common is that we both started in radio. Tell me about your radio background. Oh, yeah. Good old radio. I tell you, the building blocks of any uh, broadcaster's career, I, I think uh, if you've been in it long enough, you had to have some uh, some years in radio. 1988, I started. And of course, your entry level is is running the board, which means you control the audios. And back then, uh, you had to push the button to make the commercials come on. Now, all of it's automated now. But um, starting there in 88, um, they if you had a good voice and if you're good at it, you could do the traffic and the weather at the top and bottom of the hours. I worked at a news talk station and that that's basically I've been actually doing traffic since 1988. A lot different back then without the oh, Google yeah. Maps and without all the cameras and without oh, all the yeah. stuff. Yeah it, it oh, was, yeah, it was way different, wasn't it? Yeah, a lot of phone calls, a lot of phone calls, and we're not talking on the cell phone either. It's uh, it, it was it was something else. You had to make your rounds. You had a sheet to go down the list, and you know FHP, which is Florida Highway Patrol, or your sheriffs, or your local municipalities. If you wanted to do a good job, that's how you did it. 
and that really was because uh, you're talking about the beat calls because I remember those and and you get you actually develop a rapport and, and a relationship with the dispatchers and they know why you're calling they know when you're calling and so they'll have a oh, we got nothing new now this hour or we'll, or they'll give you some more details that normally the other dispatchers wouldn't give you. Spot on, Jason. Spot on. People, you, you'd say, hey, uh, Carol, it's, it's yo, it'd be yo, Johan. They would call me yo for some reason. Oh, yo, we got nothing, man. Or, or say, hey, or they'd actually call you uh, at the station. A lot of times also, believe this, we'd get reports via the facts. Now that was that was big time. You were top notch when you got fax reports faxed over to you about a, a crash or breaking news. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I remember the facts. We had the uh, teletype machine that would give uh, some stuff about. Uh, you know what? When I was started at KOA, it just reminded me. We used to have this national report of uh, all the different construction things that were happening around the country. And because wow. we were a regional station and, and at night we could be picked up by, they say 38 states. And, and I remember, Oh, sure. And, sure. and I, I remember one time I was uh, in Mississippi at, at Jackson, Mississippi, I could hear that radio station uh, like I was sitting here in Denver. Uh, yeah. And so I would do some of those reports from the construction areas that are, you know, in Dallas or if it was wow. in St. Louis or whatever, because I knew people in those areas were listening to those reports, especially the truckers back then. Oh, that, that's way cool, because at night, the AM signal does travel, and it, and I do believe you you probably did cover that many states. We Do you remember the UPI and API yep. teletypes? Sure. And, you'd, and they'd come out with a big roll of paper, and you'd run out, and you could, that's where Rip and Reed came in for your newscast. You'd have your newscast, boom, right there all, you know, if you didn't have time to actually write one out, you did the old Rip and Reed and highlight. When I was first uh, interning at WGST in Atlanta, they had the teletype machine, but they were also just getting hooked up with the computer system to get the same information on a computer rather wow. than it just printing on the teletype over and over and over again. Because then you'd have to <laughs> wait for the you know you'd see the weather thing, right? Because it was oh, just yeah. all their updates. So you'd have a weather update, and then you'd have this you know the top stories that would come every or before the top of the hour, so you could rip it and read it on on air if you needed to. Uh, but oh, they, yeah. they were just transitioning to the computer, so they could take that and then edit the copy and then put it into their. New Newscast. That was pretty. Wow. Was, now, yeah. now you're talking back then. That was a big. That was big wig right there. Oh, you're you're top notch having that technology. <laughs> I mean, we didn't get that at the some of the stations till years later. But that and that was when you think of it now. All you have to do is look at your phone. And you have everything at your fingertips. A lot of people don't understand about the typewriter and paper and and faxing and stuff. They, they you know, the kids today they look at you like, huh? Like I, I have no idea. So it, and, and the maps to find an accident, you'd get out a map book and look the grid and find out, oh, that's where the street is. Okay, you know, it's it's amazing. But I think it helps us a little bit more to be more specific and you know to be spot on with you know telling people how to get around something or where there's danger or something. I, I know it's funny. You, you, you mentioned the map books. I, I had a map book too. And what I would do is sometimes on the map books, they didn't have on some of the uh, lesser highways, obviously in the interstate, they had the mile markers, but sometimes you'd hear the dispatch for a mile marker on one of the uh, U.S. highways or state highways, and, they, and the mile markers aren't on the map. So I would drive those highways and then mark where, all right, there's this landmark here and here's where the mile marker is. So I would have it on my, on my printed map. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Now that, yeah, and I hate how they start. Now they're starting to put the, the road numbers instead of like, a, now it's State Road 7. Yeah. And it's been 441 for a million years. Well, now State Road 7, people are like, what? You know, that just get here. 
Yeah, but the mile markers, yeah, that's something else. That that's a tricky one. That that's cool that you did that. That's a neat little trick there. That, I'm sure that helped you when you needed it. Oh, it was tremendous, tremendous, especially when flying in the chopper and you got to find a place because you you have to find by landmarks because you're not driving, yep. you're flying, so you have to look yep. from a, from above. I'm speaking to Johan Hoffen, who's the aerial reporter for WPTV TV in West Palm Beach. So you were in radio for a long time, doing the traffic reports, doing some weather stuff, and how did you make that transition? from radio to television well it's um uh, uh it was let me see uh 98 and again it was uh, metro networks and uh, a friend of mine who was running it in a helicopter and uh, start doing some traffic reports and i said absolutely because i actually wanted to you know eventually get to that doing the flying and it wasn't just helicopters we used to use uh, uh, uh cessnas little planes right. actual planes and fly around and um i took it up and uh, sure enough, I did a, f- a few years there, and then I came back. They had an opening at uh, Channel 5, and uh, I took it, and I went there, and I said, yeah, well, we, we hear you on the radio, and, you know, we'd love to have you, and, uh, you know, you know, good luck. And uh, I had it on my side and then I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. Yeah. It's very unique perspective, isn't it? And some people like it and some people don't in, in Denver. When I first started, we used to have their, the Jefferson pilot had a, had a group of stations, three different stations, and they had their own airplane and then Metro networks, they had their own airplane. And then yep, all yep. the TV stations, the three or four different TV stations had their own airplane or oh, a heli- yeah. helicopter. Denver police yep. had their own helicopter. And so yeah. you have all these aircraft over one incident on the same, time and so the traffic control people were losing their minds because all they see is this one big blob of what they <laughs> what should be yeah. like six or so aircraft but they can't even tell them apart yeah you're so true with that i mean a lot of uh, municipalities had helicopters you know all the time now it's it's thinned out a lot it has thinned a lot you know the you know, price of fuel and this and that and cost of running things but yeah i do remember how you know well here's west palm's helicopter in the sheriff's office you know they have their helicopters which would actually in a way for us it'd be good because we could talk back and forth our pilots would and they'd get oh you go a little here and sure enough we we get a little tip here and there but yeah times have changed but they still municipalities still fly but a lot of the uh television stations have you know reduced their capacity to fly you know just due to budget standards yeah and that's what that's what happened to me so what happened was that uh, i was flying in the more well i was in the morning in the studio and then the afternoons i would fly and run the camera like you are uh and right. chase breaking news and traffic stuff and and all those sort of things uh but the tv station another competitor tv station said hey look we're, we're gonna have to stop our our aerial program because it's just costing too much money and, yeah. and was seeking out other TV stations to partner with to try to share the cost. And so Channels 9 asked Channel 7. They said, all right, let's give it a shot. And then 4 and then Fox jumped on board. So everybody was into the same agreement to say, let's let's just have one helicopter and we'll lease it from Helicopter Incorporated. They'll supply the pilot. They'll supply supply the photographer. And, uh, oh, yeah. and we just have to lease it from them and they can handle all the stuff and we just have to pay for hours. And so that put me on the ground permanently. Well, yeah, a lot of good talents, uh, you know, feed her on the ground because uh, they do that in Miami. Uh, two, two stations are doing that. You have your two powerhouses that have their own. And then uh, Miami uh, station, they're using one. Even for traffic, they're, they're, you know, they're using one bird. And it's not even a long ranger or jet ranger. It's a really small helicopter. And, uh, Don't yeah, tell it's me all it's a little Robinson. They're not flying a Robinson, are they? Robinson. Oh, yes, it goodness. is. That is awful. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, and they got to actually, they mounted a camera on it, oh, too. Oh, my goodness. You, <laughs> How did yeah. it even fly? I mean, it, it, I'll give them credit. It's a, it's an okay shot, but it's, you know, it's nothing like a, a good heavy-mounted FLIR or the or the Churchill system or, you know, the whatever system you have. It, they try and they get it accomplished, but uh, hopefully they go back because, I mean, you, you just can't match the superior of aerial coverage. I mean, you, you really can't. You know, it's it's just a a gem to have in your arsenal of, of tools for news reporting. I, I I completely agree. So how is it that your station is still able to keep the chopper when so many other markets, including mine, have have lost uh you know their their individual ability to have their own helicopter? Well, being number one helps, <laughs> and, and um you know it, uh, we're a big staple here in the you know South Florida, and we've we've just done really good. Um. People know the helicopter and the station identity, um, you know, for our company. It's a well-working station that, you know, that produces good revenue. And it's just one, it's, it's all a numbers game. You hate saying it, but it's a numbers game. And, and thank goodness, you know, thank God we're doing good at it. And, uh, you know, my fingers are crossed, you know, like anything, you know, it doesn't matter if you're the biggest or coolest, you know, you can be out of a job and, you know, next week. So, you know, you just go out and do the best you can and get the results that, you know, they expect from you. And, you know, that's what we've been doing for, you know, for years and years. Um, my guest is Johan Hoffman. He's the aerial reporter for WPTV television in West Palm Beach. And we're chatting about uh, all the different uh, traffic issues that are down there in West Palm Beach and his uh, career in radio and television. Let's, for a minute, take a look at uh, when the pandemic started traffic there in South Florida, I mean, from Miami to Fort Lauderdale to where you are, was really starting to boom. It was starting to really grow and see a lot of traffic. And and, and really, it was, it was a busy spot before the pandemic. Can you talk about how the traffic patterns were before we saw the shutdowns? Yeah. Well, South Florida and, and Florida in general, um, it, it's always busy. I was driving home thinking, you know, my goodness, it, you know, it, it's, it's so packed and it's, and that's how it is everywhere. You know, influx of people coming to Florida. Everyone has to be to Florida, you know, sunshine, you know, we'll pay in sunshine and beaches, you know, that, that's, that's what they right. give you. <laughs> right. But the, the pandemic, I saw probably, oh goodness. And percentage tally, I would say maybe like a, a 60 to 50% drop when we actually, you know, stayed home and shut down and businesses were shut down and people really, took effect to it. Our state's a little bit different. Um, we've stayed open and we've been busy. It was only for that short period of time where everything shut down in the beginning of the pandemic. Hey, I had COVID twice and I had it the first time in uh, 2020 and it really knocked me down. But after those first couple of months, it slowly, gradually got back to full steam ahead. I mean, it's always busy here. It's always busy here. Then the COVID shutdowns happened. Everyone was forced to stay home. What did you do yeah. during that time? Because you're usually flying. Were you guys flying and still doing yeah. the same aerial coverage? Yeah, yeah, we were. I mean, uh, crime doesn't take a break uh, for COVID <laughs> or anything. I mean, there were still stories to be found and 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 to show. But when it came to traffic, we definitely reduced, um, say, our on air time. I mean, you can't talk about what you know, what's, you know, Hey, there's no one on the road. Have a good day. Stay home, wear your mask. You know, it's, it's, you know, we would, but there's always breaking news. I mean, you know, sadly to say there's always 
um, you know, sad stories or something positive. You know, we cover good and bad here, but, you know, to, to cover breaking news, it's a 24-7 cycle. I mean, you know, crime doesn't stop, unfortunately, it's sad to say. And, and I'm sure it was a little creepy, though, to look at the highways and see how open they were and the other roadways and see how empty they were and and just see a total different change in in the entire landscape. Yeah, the traffic patterns definitely went from busy to bleak. Um, the only time you see uh, that type of a pattern, like a ghost town effect, so to speak, is when we have hurricanes. And that's when no one's on the road, period. I mean, that's the only time you'll see less travel is during, you know, to prep, you know, before a hurricane, it's crazy. But when that hurricane is 12 hours out, there's no one on the road and it's very spooky. And that's sort of how it was. I mean, we did have we did have traffic, but I was thinking, man, this looks, you know, sort of like, you know, the storm's coming in. You know, it, it's definitely something that's an eerie feeling when you're up here going, my goodness, look at this. You know, these people are essential workers or, or you know, they, they're not, you know, these are that it's just it's mind boggling, you know, what we've been through. I kind of wish you would talk to some of the higher ups in scripts uh, that would uh, give us our own helicopter back, because obviously some management sees the value in it uh, for your station. I, I I see the value in having your own helicopter compared to having a shared one. And you know maybe you have some pull there, and you can and you can call the big guys up up in Cincinnati uh, and let I'm, them know. What you have. I'll do a wink, wink, and a nod, nod to my <laughs> okay. people up there. But uh, obvious with talent that you've had and the experience that that's one thing I have to give you credit. I mean, you have thousands of hours. I have thousands of hours flying, and and to have that at your station and not to be able to fully incorporate that with an aerial perspective is is yeah your station is losing out there i'll give you credit for for how you've uh, been in the business as long as you have you guys need to get uh, back up in the air and you never know it probably will happen uh you know we're in a bleak period of our you know the economy is horrible now and you know we're in a bad spot right now with the economy hopefully it bounces back and and that can happen because you're only helping the public your community with the information and, and actually you can help, you know, responders and, you know, we just don't get, you know, report, we help, you know, if there's a missing person, we're out helping, you know, if there's a missing boater off the coast, you know, we're looking for them. I mean, we actually help out more than just cover, you know, the news and stuff on a daily basis. Speaking of that, you obviously fly or have to fly sometimes over the open water. Do you guys have, pontoons on the on the skids or are are you limited to how far out you can go and fly wow funny you asked that um we've we've downsized from it it's called a bell long ranger which right. is a nice um uh, helicopter to a jet ranger it's just a little one it's say it's like uh yeah. the ford explorer to the ford escape right i mean if you want to go with cars and on the Long Ranger, we had a float system. They're, they're inflatable on the on the uh, railings on the side, on the skids, it's called. Now we do not. But back in the day, we would go a mile, two, and I'm not going to say, oh, you know, we went out there. I'm not going to say, you know, we would go out looking. And uh, the craziest thing from your news desk, oh, it's somewhere Jupiter is, is an inlet. Oh, it's somewhere from Jupiter to Lake Worth. That's, you know, say 30 mile difference out in the ocean. That's a needle in the haystack. Yeah. But it, the, you'll see the boat. Believe you're not going to see the boat. The boat, the boat is, you know, if it had flashing laser lights, you might see it. But 
I mean, the ocean is huge, but yeah, we used to go out a lot over the uh, ocean. Now we're, we're very limited to barely offshore because we don't have that float system. That's got to give you an interesting perspective, though, of looking at uh, that part of, I mean, honestly, just looking at the earth in that way. It's, it's like you say, it's so hard to see things sometimes on the, on the ground when they're small and you're looking at a land area that's like an intersection uh, or a, a complex of something. You're looking for a person or a specific car or a specific address, but looking at a, for a boat in the ocean, it's got to be nearly impossible. Yeah, and one that's sinking and capsized. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, you know the Coast Guard, which patrols our our coastline and uh, and inland and stuff. It's, they're not just limited to the coast, but you give them credit because if there's a you know a boat that's three miles out sinking, they get out and you know it's a grid search. You know, left, right, up, down, east, west. You know, they they, they do their pattern. And they find these people and we've, we've helped uh, people before. We found some people out in uh, Lake Okeechobee, which is a, one of the biggest lakes uh, in the U S one of them. And there was airboats. Those are boats that, that can go over so- the grass and, the, and uh, marshes. And one was overturned and uh, we found one out there. So that was, that was pretty good, but it's very difficult, you know, to find that needle in the haystack, but you know, you got to go out and try and, that's all we can do. Yeah, uh, we've done the same thing, and it's very rewarding when you, you have yes. a successful mission. Yeah, my guest is Johan Hoffman. He's the aerial reporter for WPTV-TV in West Palm Beach. Uh, so how have traffic patterns changed now since COVID happened? Because here in Denver, I know there are some areas that have similar traffic patterns, but there are definite areas that have seen less traffic at at certain times and so it has started to come back a little bit but it's different i could i could show you exactly where the traffic patterns were in in 2018 and they are different now in 2022 um since um uh covid has covid the restrictions and businesses have all these states florida is like a magnet because we, we have less restrictions and we've been very fortunate for businesses here to survive. A lot of businesses have not been able to survive uh, COVID. So a lot of people have been moving here. That's that's never changed. Everyone moves here. Population growth here, especially South Florida, houses everywhere. So what you would normally get is your, your you know, your rush hour, your 6 a.m. to 9, and then your rush hour, you know, say 4 to 6, 4 to 7. Now it's 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 24-7. Nighttime, say the er- overnight, you know, 12 a.m. to 5 that's when it's light traffic, but it is constantly busy, right? All through the day. There's sometimes our side streets, you just don't, you just stay home and not go to your grocery store between four and six because the side streets are so busy. It's just so many people. And it's, 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 it's very concerning because, you know, as any, any place in America, the infrastructure or the, the roadways to get around it. And that's what we're dealing with here right now. And they're trying to, you know, expand the lanes. And so you got construction that slows things down. It's, it's you know, it's your good U.S. nightmare on the roadways. <laughs> that, that's really interesting that you're talking about how you have more traffic now all the time on more of the surface streets. I noticed during the pandemic and after that there was more traffic 
in the middays compared to yeah. especially the morning. The afternoon was a little bit heavier uh, than the mornings, you know, in those typical days. But really, I saw a lot of traffic in the middays. Maybe it was yeah. people that were working from home and then they had to uh, go out and, and run to the post office or UPS or wherever because they have to mail a package because they usually did that at the office or they're out grabbing lunch or, or whatever. Uh, but it was it was really an interesting dynamic of how patterns in that way had changed. Yeah. Yeah. Midday is definitely, um, you know, I, I, that's when I'm home. That's when I'm driving home is midday and it's not as busy, but definitely at noon. That's every, you can see everyone's breaking out to get lunch, but you make a good point there that a lot of people are working from home. And then at midday, they're probably out taking their break to get out of the house and maybe get supplies or, or just take a break. That's a good, a good observation there because that is true. That is what I see. Uh, definitely. I'm sure that's all across America how it is. People are taking a break, getting it out and going maybe to get something to eat and come back. And yeah, midday is is starting to get a little crunch time, too. That's that's a good observation there. And, and do you notice a difference in spring break traffic? You're in one of those hot spots for spring breakers, <laughs> Fort Lauderdale, Miami, obviously, uh, yeah. are, are huge for spring break uh, traffic and, and folks visiting there. You're a little bit more north of there. You see a lot of spring breakers heading your way? Yeah, we, we, it's, it's like clockwork. It's like, uh, you know, a season you guys have your, your, your vacation season or your tourist season. Uh, we have the same here. Uh, but for spring break, yeah, the, the, you know, the kids, they come down who doesn't want to come down to a beautiful sunny beach with sun and sand and beautiful blue water. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to change. Although back, uh, you're looking at, you know, 30, 40 years. Um, it was really intense. Um, down through the Fort Lauderdale area along the beach, it would be, you know, gridlock, but they've, they've, you know, then the people drinking and having fun and all that, they've, they've um, buttoned down that a little bit though. They got a little more stricter about, you know, drinking outside and walking around like that. That's changed, but the influx of people that have a good time, that, 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 that hasn't changed. <laughs> They're here and yeah, you just go with it. Most of the time it's, it's fun. You know, people have a little bit of fun, but that that does impact that impacts the, the eastern, which is next to our coastline. That impacts the travel along the beach. Uh, Ninety five, you don't see it that much because they're you know they're at the hotels and they just stay at the beach. That's the one good thing. They stay over there and and they're not affecting people getting to work uh, in the morning time or afternoon. Yeah, I ninety five is obviously your major corridor, but you also have some uh, trains, I believe, that go from your area down to Fort Lauderdale and Miami. What's the state of the transit system uh, through there that would take you on those longer journeys to maybe take some of the traffic off of I-95? Yeah, they, they work good. It's uh, two systems. Tri-Rail is the name of one. It goes all the way to Miami International Airport and all the way up here to our airport uh, here in the Palm Beach County area. That's And it takes kids to school. It takes my daughter to school. Um, and it's very it's very efficient for uh, for 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 transportation. We also have a a, a private um, company called Brightline, and they go to Miami to to West Palm, but now they're extending it to Orlando, and that's where a lot of you know your Disney Worlds, your uh, Islands of Adventure, Sea World, and stuff. That's where all that you know, that area that and that'll be really nice because it's a high speed, really nice luxury type of. Uh, of a train. It's very comfortable. You get the amenities of, you know, drinks and food service. Tri-Rail is your, you know, everyday worker, kids going to school, which is a very efficient uh, mode of transportation. We do have that. And uh, actually, I do enjoy the train. The train's pretty fun. It's, it's a nice ride. 
so what you're saying is that I could fly from here to Orlando, be there for a couple of days, and then jump on the train uh, when it's completed and get there from Orlando to your spot or all the way down to Miami. Yep, absolutely. That, yeah, that's efficient. remarkable. Yeah, that is remarkable, and a lot of a lot of us are, are pretty excited about it because you know, get on a train, sit, and just go, and then you can have your fun in Orlando, or get on the train and go, and you can go down to Miami. It's 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 very efficient, and it's pretty cost effective too. It's not it's not really expensive, and when you know with gas the way it is, it, it's it's actually affordable right now. And well, what I was thinking about is there are times where uh, you're looking at airfares and you can find one-way fares at different days, different rates for the different airports in Florida. And because they're so close, usually the cities are fairly close together. I mean, driving between Tampa and Orlando isn't that bad. It's obviously longer to go from Orlando down to uh, uh, West Palm or, or to Fort Lauderdale or to Miami. Uh, but then you could also get up to Jacksonville if you needed to. So there are ways to get around the state with all the different big cities and airports in there. But that train option expands that even more. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love for him to eventually get to Tampa and even Jacksonville. That's called the Bright Line. Of course, you got Amtrak, which is through the U.S., which also is fun. But these are daily commuters that, that you know, go to work. We have people at the station that take take the train. They go down to Fort Lauderdale. They come back. They take uh, the Bright Line train and tri-rail that that's you know from miami up to here and that's a you know that's a regular mode of transportation that people rely on you know they ride their bike you can bring the bike on to the train i mean you know that's pretty cool and you're, you're right about getting that fare you can get a one way into orlando and then have fun there hop on the train come down to miami or or you know west palm or you know that's smart that and that's what's happening and that's what's going on that's a positive thing that's going on here but I was reading in, I think it was actually a story on the WPTV website about the state of the transit system there. It, it seems similar to other metro areas, Denver included, where there are fewer operators to drive the buses to get people around on their regular commute. That has to be affecting people who might rely on those buses and then might say, look, I, I can't count on the bus being there when I want to go home or, or get to work and I have to be there at a certain time. So I'm just going to drive instead and fewer or more people would be on the roads because of that. Happening with our school bus drivers. Uh, a lot of kids are getting to school late because of a bus driver shortage uh, on the educational side. You know, you have kids that go, you know, take the bus and some kids, you know, they get picked up an hour late because, well, they don't have enough uh, drivers. But, yeah, that is happening here. Um, it's, it, you know, it's, it's uh, I, if, if, if we all could ha just have so much more money, you know, if you could pay the bus drivers more, they would retain bus drivers. Um, you know, whether it's that or COVID, maybe bus drivers are, you know, scared to catch COVID. You know, all the people are coming in and off, you know, off and on the the bus. I, I don't know. I don't, you know, there's not a serious uh, attack to this because it's the same thing over and over. Well, we got a bus shortage. Well, what are you paying? Well, we pay them this. Well, how about paying them more? Well, we'll look into it, you know, and, and pay them more and they'll stay at their job. Anyone, you know, you get a little bit more money, you get more out of them. But, uh, you know, th that is true though. We do have a bus shortage here uh, of drivers here and, uh, it can hamper the effect, especially for the kids going to school though. That that's the one that, that, you know, that, that ticks me off because kids need to get their education. They're sitting on the side of the road waiting for a bus, you know, and come on, we can do better than that. 
My guest is Johan Hoffman. He's the aerial reporter for WPTV Television there in West Palm Beach. I'm sure as an aerial reporter with thousands of flying hours and, and hanging out over uh, South Florida, you have to have a police chase or two uh, under your belt, right? I mean, how many? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you have a description of maybe one of the more wild ones or some of the more interesting ones? it gets me with chases is you, you're you're following them and it's intense and they go from the interstate onto the side streets and i remember one we were covering and it was it was funny the guy gets out and there was a, a few people in the vehicle guy gets out and goes into the house okay so you got a car with a couple people so you, you i'll ask you this question do you sit with the guy at the house or you keep going with the car Right. That's that's one of those things. Oh, you're like, oh, man, you criminal, you blank. <laughs> so you follow the car. You watch him until he gets in the house. All right, he's in the house and you follow the car. But it's it's one of those. It's one of those. You can't say, well, the funniest thing I had during a chase was because safety, law enforcement safety. And, and you know, you don't know if someone's going up, shoot kill run over something you know it's one of those intense things about car chases and you know they go up to the car with their you know the pistols drawn their weapons drawn and you know you're like oh you know please please you know you want the best outcome for everyone and um the thing that gets me is like when they get out you know do you follow you know can you just you just do i have to i don't have two cameras so it's like you know that i guess that's the only funny part i can think of when it comes to car chases yeah, it's too bad that there's nobody uh, driving over a drawbridge that's only partially open, and then they can do it do, do the hazard <laughs> style. You see? Oh, now that would now that actually that would go under the category of, of cool car chase. Yeah, I think that would be pretty cool. <laughs> do you have any other uh, wild airborne stories that you can recall off the top of your head? Oh, I'm, I'm sure just, it all blends together after a while. Oh boy. Um, yeah, one quick one. I remember we had to go up and cover a big uh, fire and we had bad weather coming in from Orlando. The thing we didn't uh, anticipate was the storm was traveling like at 30 at we get almost up there and we got overtaken by the severe thunderstorm and we were going to place an emergency and the pilot, not my pilot at this time, but another pilot decided to pull up at the last second and try to outrun this storm. So that, that was pretty tricky and scary. I, that was one of those moments of being like, well, you know, it's been a fun time and uh, I don't think we're making it. But, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of them. You, you just try to, you know, the craziest thing, and I'm, and I'm going to say this, and I'm honest to God, 100% serious. I'm afraid of heights. Yeah, no, I get you. I am totally the same way. Oh, I'm thank God there's someone else because <laughs> it's I, I am afraid of heights and it's one of those things that, hey, this is my job. I have to do it. But every once in a while, I get a little, you know, like, oh, boy. Yep. Oh, boy. But, I mean, you do it so long. But I am truly afraid of heights. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you yeah. are, too, it, Jason. It was, where it would get me, Johan, is when I would, we would fly over downtown Denver, and you'd have the tall buildings. And, and we're doing great, right? I'm out, you know, flying around. It's no problem. But then we get over the downtown buildings. And for some reason, because we're so close to them, I can imagine myself on top of that building. And that's oh, when it hits yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally understand it. It's that weird phobia of, of, you know, if you have to walk a bridge or, 
or a high bridge or a high place like that, that's fine. But here we fly a thousand, you know, you fly up higher yeah. with your altitude there. But once I get over 1500 feet, we cruise at a thousand feet. That's our safety. That's where we cover. But sometimes we got to go up 15, 2000. Yeah. That's where it gets me. And I'm just up there going, Oh boy, saying some choice words and yeah. <laughs> you know, mumbling, mumbling <laughs> and, a lot. And, and I don't think it would be actually though. I think the fall would actually be exhilarating. I think it's that yes. sudden, sudden stop at the end that I have yeah. a problem with. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're, you're right on. <laughs> and, and we used to fly sometimes over wildfires and we would have to go up to 14,000 feet or so uh, where, where we are over, you know, in the area where you're uh, having to bring supplemental oxygen if you spend too much time up there. And you can really feel the air difference between when we would uh, leave Centennial Airport over here at about 60, what, no, I think we're at 5,700 feet there and then go wow. up to 14,000. Um, and it was, you could definitely feel it. Yeah, that's a few thousand feet up, and that 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 is just amazing because we're at sea level. Right. We're zero. We're we might be five <laughs> feet above sea level. So you know, you go a thousand feet, it's a thousand. What you do is, you know, you're a few thousand feet above. I mean, you know, from the ground, uh, and that that's just uh, that, I don't know. It take me a while to, to to adjust to that. I give you credit for that, especially with the uh, supplemental oxygen yeah, mixture. But I never that's, loved that's that. That's crazy. Always hated that. Always hated yeah. it. Yeah. What yeah, I can imagine. So what do you think is your biggest traffic or transportation pet peeve, either when you're driving or when you're flying? Aha. Uh-huh. Let me, th- oh, it, that, this is simple. This is simple. Down, down here, uh, it's five lanes on Interstate 95. The majority of it is five lanes of travel. Throughout the years, it's gone from, you know, two to three. Now it's five. It's been like that forever. So from Miami, all the way to Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach County, it's Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach County. They have these smart, very, very, a genius, a genius. He's a criminal, if you ask me, makes these express lanes, <laughs> right. meaning we'll reduce your five lanes of travel to now you have three free lanes of travel. But if you want to be fast, because we're causing congestion by our engineering by taking away two of these lanes, pay us $50, $1.50, to travel in these lanes – well, hey, come on. It causes so much congestion. It's ridiculous. And they and, and they're forcing, you know, hardworking people, if you gotta get somewhere on time, well, you take the express lane, you go spend three bucks. You do that every day, three, six, nine. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I'm so angry because they're starting to bring it all the way up into Palm Beach County now. So now you're gonna have to pay to go on an express lane because it's congested. It's forced. It's forced congestion. There's too many vehicles. And it's just, it just really irks me that they can do this. And and we have a place called the Florida Turnpike built way back when in the beginning, we're going to charge you to use the road, but when it's paid off, we'll stop charging it. That's been what, 40 years. They've said that, you know, it's, it's just, it's the fleecing of the American driver is what it is to me. It's just, it really makes me mad to see this. Because traffic flows with five lanes. It flows. It's not fast. You reduce it down to three, it's a, it's a headache. It's a nightmare. I'm not sure how they have yours set up. In, in uh, Metro Denver, they have those same express lanes. And what they would do is uh, just paint the white double white line so you're not supposed to cross the double white line. But there's no barrier between those lanes. You can freely go in and out if you so choose. 
it's because of snow oh. removal. You can't have those uh, sure. cones oh, or anything. Yeah, because yeah, that's you, right. You, you know, pulling them up with a snow plow, right? And and one of our problems right. is people weave in and out of there because they're going slow oh, in that wow. left lane. They'll jump in the quick lane, jump back into the free lane because they know the toll yeah. booth yeah. thing is coming up. And so we see more wrecks because people are weaving in and out of those lanes. I don't. Is that the same there, or do you have a, a barrier no, separation? No. Oh no, they got the they got plastic. Uh, uh, pylons, little, the pla- they're not cones. They're just uh, straight up uh, plastic pylons, and uh, they they in the beginning they were really thin, and good old trucks, man, you just run them over, <laughs> pow, pow through them. But now now they, I mean, you hit them now, they're they're gonna put a little dent. They're not gonna make you know you crash if you are. But wow, I never thought about that because um, the snow removal. We don't you know that thing snow. I've I'm not sure what that really is down here, but. Uh, I've heard of it, but yes. <laughs> we don't have that, that problem here, right. but yeah, yeah, they do have little plastic pylons and, uh, it, it's just, it's an irritating thing to be forced to take that because, you know, it's, it's, I've seen it as high as five fifty to take an express wow. line. And that's just, you know, to go down a few miles, that's not all the way to your journey. Right. You know, they do it in sections and it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's just one of them things. It is also nice to hear you say crash instead of accident because I, I hope you're on board too about that. It's you, you never can can tell if uh, if an incident, whatever it is, a crash or wreck, whatever, is an accident because you don't know intent. So are are you on board with saying crash and wreck instead of accident? Um, yeah, I am. I mean that that's that I say crash, but I used to be you know all about accident, and um, then all of a sudden you know the 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 verbal police the. Uh, you know, the grammar police came out. Well, it's not an accident. It's a crash. I said, well, okay. Okay. It's not a big deal. I, I got you. You know, the one or two people that, that would uh, complain about it, you know, and I understand about crashes. Some things are accidents yeah. and, and flat out, I'll say, you know, this was an accident, you know, this, you know, somebody did this or that, but yeah, the majority is, you know, you have a crash here, multi-vehicle crash or something like that. But yeah, back in the day, you know, it was accident. Yep. Yeah, we still have something called accident alert. Uh, when yes. It's, yeah, and I don't know if you guys have that. We have accident alert, and actually, the city of Denver has changed that in the last year to crash alert. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't we? Don't get me that. That's another podcast. That's another. That's another cast to start uh, splitting P's and A's and Q's and this and that on this. I. Uh, don't get me started on that. All right, perfect. <laughs> My guest is Johan Hoffman. He's the aerial reporter for WPTV, West Palm Beach, uh, down in Florida. Uh, so as we wrap up, how many uh, years do you think you have left there in the uh, helicopter? How long do you want to keep doing it? Oh, boy. To be honest, I got three three years to be uh, 20 years at uh, WPTV and uh, scripts. And I'm trying to I'm trying to get – I'm 54 you know, and I know everyone's oh, to be able to retire earlier, uh, but, you know, I'll just go as long as I can, as good and healthy as I can be, um, God willing. But uh, hopefully I can get that 20 year mark and then uh, then I can start maybe trying to relax. But you know how that works. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know. You have to work until, you know, you're six feet under. That's how this works. (laughs) Right. Well, you got one year on me and one uh, in age and also at, uh, with scripts. So I I, I am now, I, now I'm chasing you in two ways. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, nah, we're together as a team. When you got that many years, talent, talent equals teamwork. That's all it is. Are you a big surfer? 
I, I surfed all my life. Yeah. Nice. I, I actually surfed all my life. Uh, only until I started, um, you know, getting the married life and having children that slowed down, but I love the beach. Uh, my wife, Angie and I, my son, Robert, my daughter, Aaron, we go up to the mountains, you know, here it's Carolina. It's not, it's not the, the Rockies, but yeah. I mean, we have, you know, we go up to North Carolina, enjoy it. We're blessed you know, to have a beach atmosphere, the beautiful beaches of Florida, but, you know, you're blessed with the beautiful Rocky Mountains. I mean, it, it all, you know, even. Yeah, it does. Uh, but I still can't, you know, they, they don't have uh, out here. At least I haven't seen any. Uh, they don't have sharks um, in the mountains. Oh, yeah. I've seen plenty of them. I've, sure. I've had my, they are, they are scary creatures, but yeah. you know, from the air, you, you wouldn't believe how many people are swimming and there's three sharks just, you know, 15, 20 feet away from, you have no idea how many sharks are out there and you don't want to know. No, you're you great. Don't we don't want to know because I saw Jaws when I was like seven or eight and, yeah. I can, and that, that has ruined me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Me too, my friend. Yeah. Jaws was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to go in the bathtub for like three days. <laughs> well, Johan, thank you so much for uh, joining me. It was uh, really a fun conversation. I appreciate all, uh, all you do down there in uh, West Palm beach. And, uh, if you ever, uh, come out this way, we'll, uh, we'll go have lunch. Hey, you got it. It's a deal, Jason. Great talk to you, my friend. Have a good day. It's so nice to talk to somebody who's been in the uh, business a long time and, and gets it. And, and, uh, you know, he was, uh, it made me think he was mentioning the going from a long ranger to a uh, jet ranger. And I remember when I was first flying for 850 KOA radio here in Denver, uh, we flew in a jet ranger. It was a smaller helicopter. Um, and, uh, it was good. We had three people in inside and it was just fine on some of the hot days. <laughs> Here, here's one story for you. Uh, we were taken off. It was a really warm day, and the <laughs> uh, the pilot, Al Verlay at the time, uh, we are trying to take off on this ramp area. It's not really a runway. He would just pull us out of the hangar, and we'd have a space, uh, I don't know, maybe not not quite 100 yards uh, before, you know, around these, these hangars, maybe like a U-shaped area. And, and to get going, to get some airspeed, so you can actually get some more lift in the helicopters because the, the, the helicopter rotor system would actually act like a wing at a certain speed, so it would give you more lift. Well, it's hot, so it's hard for them to hover and with all the fuel on board and, you know, fat me in, in there. And so how <laughs> to take off, he starts flying. Well, he, he starts going, instead of, you know, uh, going up gently and getting some altitude and then going forward, he decides to go right across the ground and get some ground speed. Uh, and then try to get some altitude. Well, he was doing this, and, and he apparently didn't realize that it was so hot, and we were so heavy, and, and the skids hit the ground. <laughs> we bounced off the ground with the skids and then started flying, barely making it over the hangar. Uh, so that was one of the uh, exciting times in the Jet Ranger. Um, uh, then uh, when I was flying for the combo when we were doing TV and radio, we had a Bell 407, which is a much larger he helicopter and, and more powerful uh, to handle all the uh, television equipment that we had to have in there. Um, and later on, we had a uh, Eurocopter, um, a B-350. Uh, that was a fine helicopter, a three-bladed deal. Uh, so that was fine. And then, then I, eventually when I got back to Channel 7... I uh, was flying in a Long Ranger, so flew in all kinds of different 
helicopters in my time. Anyway, all kinds of cool interviews coming up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I have interviews scheduled like two later this week, another one next week. So all kinds of good stuff coming here in the next couple of weeks. Anyway, thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the Traffic Guy. Be safe and as always, happy motoring.